Amen. All right. Well, we're there in Mark uh, chapter number three. <clears throat> and like I uh, said this morning, uh, we're continuing our series on the heart of the matter. And uh, tonight we're going to be talking about anger in our heart and the uh, subject of anger. And uh, before, we, before we even get, get into the sermon, though, I, I do want to lay a, a little bit of a foundation. Uh, the first thing I want you to notice there in Mark chapter 3 is, and the first thing I'd like to establish, is that not all anger is sinful. Not all anger is sinful. There are some times when someone can be angry and not sinning. And an example of that is here in Mark chapter number 3. Look at verse 1 again. The Bible says, and he... That's Jesus entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man uh, there which had a withered hand. And they, those are his enemies, the Pharisees, watched him, that's Jesus, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, and that they might accuse him. Notice verse 3. And he saith unto unto the man uh, which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day, or to do evil, to save life, or to kill? But they held their peace. So he's, they're just, and you need to understand the context of this. Here you've got a man who has a withered hand. I mean, the man is injured. And Jesus is looking at this crowd because this crowd doesn't really care about this man, doesn't have any compassion over this man. They just want to see if Jesus is going to heal the man so that they can have something to accuse Jesus with. And this frustrates Christ. Look at verse 35. And when he looked round about them, notice these two words, with anger, with anger. Here we see the Lord Jesus Christ angry at these individuals, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. He saith unto the man, stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. So I want you to notice, and I just want to begin with this idea. Obviously, Christ is perfect. Christ is sinless. If Christ was angry, then, then he, but he didn't ever sin, though. So there is the ability to be angry and to not be sinning. There is the possibility, uh, and we've got to understand, because today you've got some very conservative-type Christians who will teach that all anger is sinful, that all anger is, is wrong, and that we should never get angry. But if that's so, then Christ would be a sinner. Because here the Bible tells us that he looked up about them, he looked round about on them with anger. If Christ got mad, then, then that, and sinning and, and getting angry is sin all the time, that would make him a sinner. You can lose your place there in Mark. Go to the book of Psalms with me, Psalm 7. If you open your Bible, just right in the center, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms. Go to Psalm chapter 7 and look at verse number 11. Let me give you another example. Those who teach that all anger is wrong, and there's some very conservative, you know, pro-family, pro-homeschooling, pro-family integrated, whatever, people out there who will teach all anger is sinful. And here's a problem with that. As you read your Bible cover to cover, you will find that the most angry person in the Bible is God himself. I mean, God is constantly angry, and obviously, 
God is holy and does not sin. Psalm 7, look at verse 11. Let me just give you one example. We could, we spent all night looking at examples of God's anger and wrath. But look at Psalm 7, 11. The Bible says, God judgeth the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. See, every day God is angry with the wicked and God is angry with those who would do wickedness. So we see Christ being angry. We see God being angry. Obviously, if, if God and the Lord Jesus Christ got angry, then that shows us that not all anger is sinful. Keep your finger there in Psalms. We're going to come right back, not to Psalms, but to Proverbs. It's right next, uh, next to Psalms. But go with me to the book of Ephesians. In the New Testament, if you got Matthew, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 6. And let me, let, me, let me start off with this. This sermon is for everybody. This sermon applies to everybody. All of us have to learn to control our anger from time to time. And anger affects everybody. I want to show you that from Scripture. Everybody is affected by anger. Ephesians chapter 6. And you know what? I skipped, I skipped, I skipped the wrong verse. Keep, do me a favor, actually. Keep your place there in, in Ephesians. Go, go, go to Proverbs. Proverbs 21. And I apologize. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Proverbs 21. Keep your place in Ephesians. We're going to come right back to it. But you should have your place in Psalms. Just one book over. Proverbs 21. And look at verse number 19. When you get to Proverbs, do me a favor. Put a bulletin or a ribbon or a bookmark or something there in Proverbs. Because we're going to spend a lot of time in the book of Proverbs tonight. We're going to look at a lot of passages from Proverbs. The sermon's not going to be very long. I don't think it shouldn't be very long. Uh, I want to try to make it as concise as possible to keep some of you from getting angry about it going too, too long. All right? So I'm going to try to help you out. The last thing I need is for you to get angry when I'm preaching about anger. Proverbs 21, look at verse 19. Proverbs 21, 19. Notice what the Bible says. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious, the word contentious means tending to argument, strife, quarrelsome, than with a contentious and an angry woman. Here the Bible tells us that women, not all women, but some women struggle with anger. So if you're a woman here tonight, I want you to listen because you may be this woman. And, you know, you may not even know it, but you, you ought to, you ought to, you know, look at yourself and the way you treat your husband and the way you treat uh, your, your, uh, your children and, and ask yourself, you know, don't just think, well, I'm a woman, anger's more of a man thing. No, the Bible says it's better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. And, and listen to me, and I'm not, I'm not speaking to anybody specifically because I don't know any details here, but ladies, if you're, if you're wondering, you know, I wonder if I'm that contentious and angry woman. Look, notice what it says. It's better to dwell in the wilderness. If your husband's just constantly wanting to go camping, you know, away from you, you may be this woman. You know, or if he's constantly just looking for an excuse to leave the house, to go do something. If you've ever made these statements, why won't you spend time with me? It may be because you're contentious and angry all the time. You know, it may be because every time you, he comes home from work, you're upset about you still didn't fix the toilet and you still, you know, and you're mad and angry all the time. Hey, it may be you. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to help you. You know, don't think, well, I'm a woman, so I don't get, I don't deal with angry. no. The Bible says here that there are women that are contentious and angry. 
And you've got to look back in yourself and look at your soul and ask yourself, am I this person? Am I someone that deals with anger? The Bible tells us here that women deal with anger. But of course, it's not just women. Go to Proverbs 22. Look at verse 24. Proverbs 22 and verse 24. Proverbs 22 and verse 24. The Bible says this. Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man, thou shalt not go. So it's not just women that struggle with anger, but men struggle with anger. You, if you're a man here tonight, you know, you got to ask yourself, am I an angry individual? Am I someone that's always furious and upset and angry? And, and here's the thing. It may be both of you. You may just be an angry couple, just constantly angering towards each other. But here's what I want you to know. The Bible teaches that women can struggle with anger. The Bible teaches that men can struggle with anger. Go, go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse 4. Let me give you the other one. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. The Bible says this, And ye fathers, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. You see that word wrath there? What's wrath mean? It means anger. It means to be furious. I want you to notice that we as fathers and mothers too, I'm sure, can provoke our children to wrath. What does that mean? That our children can experience wrath. So look, according to the Bible, men get angry. According to the Bible, women get angry. According to the Bible, children get angry. Here's what I'm trying to say. This sermon's for everybody. All of us, from time to time, are going to have to learn to control and to deal with our anger. You're there in Ephesians 6. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, just a couple of chapters back. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 31. Now, we started the sermon by saying not all anger is sinful. Right? We saw Christ. He got angry. We saw God. He's angry with the wicked every day. So not all anger is, is, is sinful. But I will say this. When it comes to you and I, human flesh, I would say that probably most anger is sinful. Most of the time that you and I are experiencing wrath or anger, we are probably not experiencing righteous indignation. We're probably not justified in our anger. Our anger is probably us just throwing a fit in our flesh. And that anger needs to be done away with. That anger cannot be tolerated. That anger needs to be put away. Are you there in Ephesians 4? Look at verse 31. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31. Ephesians 4.31 says this. Let all bitterness. We saw this last week in the bitterness sermon. But notice what he says. Let all bitterness. But it's not just bitterness. And wrath. And anger and clamor and evil speaking. And by the way, everything on this list usually goes together. Bitter people are usually angry people. Angry and bitter people are usually clamorous people. Angry and bitter and wrathful and clamorous people are usually also speaking evil. All of these things go together. That's why they're, they're clustered in this list. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, notice what he says, 
be put away from you with all malice. This, God says, this is not, now he's not talking about righteous indignation, right anger, but he's saying, if your anger is wrapped up in bitterness and wrath and clamor and evil speaking and malice, if it's in the flesh, if it's from the flesh, we need to learn to put it away from you. Keep your finger there in Ephesians. We're going to come right back to it. Go to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter number three. So you should have your place in Proverbs and Ephesians. Colossians is just a couple of uh, books down from Ephesians. You got Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter number 3 and look at verse number 8. Colossians chapter number 3 and verse 8. Colossians 3.8 says this, But now ye also, notice what he says, put off all these. He says these are things that, should not, that you should not be putting on. These are things that you should not have on or with you. Put off all these. Notice the first two. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. God says I, these, these are not things that Christians ought to be living with. And the first two things on this list are anger and wrath. So here's what I want you to understand. Not all anger is sinful, but most anger is sinful and we need to remove it. We need to put it off. We need to put it away from us. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 26. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. Here's another verse that proves that you can be angry and not be sinning. I mean, the fact that Christ got angry already proves that. The fact that God, the fact that God gets angry already proves that. But here's a, a verse that spells it out. It says, be ye angry. It says, be ye angry, but notice this, th- these three words, and sin not. So here's what the Bible's telling us. You can be angry and not be sinning. In fact, you can be angry and keep yourself from sinning in your anger. He says, be ye angry and sin not. Now, I, I, I need you to keep your place in Proverbs. We're going to go back there. Keep your place in Ephesians. We're going to be there. But go with me to the book of John, John chapter number 2. John chapter number 2. In John chapter 2, I want to go through a real short story about the Lord Jesus Christ at a time when he got angry, when he got upset. Now, in this passage, the Bible does not use the word anger or wrath, but I think you will be able to tell by his actions that he was very angry, very upset. And I want to get, what I want to do for you tonight is I'd like to give you three I'm sorry, not three, four uh, thoughts, four ideas, four uh, tests, if you will, to test your anger. Because here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at Jesus upset, but Jesus did not sin. So we're going to look at his anger and the characteristics of his anger. And I want to give you four reasons that you can know whether your anger is sinful or not. Because look, you're going to get angry. You're going to get mad. You're going to get upset, whether it's with your spouse or with your children or with other church members, with the pastor, with coworkers, with neighbors, family, friends, whatever it may be. You're going to experience anger from time to time. I want to give you four ways that you can test your anger, that you can stop and say, wait a minute, just time out. Am I having, experiencing righteous indignation at this moment? Am I angry but not sinning? Or am I in the flesh right now? Am I angry uh, but it's a sin? And how to test that, and we'll look at that in the life of Christ. They're there in John chapter number 2. I'd like you to look at verse number 13. 
John chapter number 2 and verse 13, the Bible says this, And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Notice verse 14. And found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and changers of money sitting. Notice verse 15. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen. Notice these words. And poured out the changers money and overthrew the tables. Notice verse 16. And said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house and house of merchandise. Now I I want you to ask this question. Do you think that Jesus is upset at this point? I mean, in verse 15, the Bible says he made a scourge of small cords. He made he has a whip. He's got a weapon. And he walks into the temple, and here's the thing: I don't think he'd make the scourge and not use it. I think he's whipping people with this thing. He's beating people with these things. He's administering a spanking to these individuals. Notice what it says in verse 15. He drove them all out of the temple. I mean, he's running them out of the temple. He's physically pushing them out and, and, and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers of money. Notice what he does. Ask me if he's upset. And overthrew the tables. I mean, he's throwing tables. Can you imagine? Imagine you're in the temple, right? And this is just regular business in the temple. In the temple, they, they just buy and sell. And the, the temple here is like the average independent Federal Baptist church today. That's right, that's right. You know, just you buy and sell. Could you imagine if Pastor Jimenez just walked into some random IFB church and just walks into their, into their, into their bookstore or whatever and just starts throwing tables over? Throwing tables, ripping books off shelves, you know, taking the money off the cash register and pouring it out, you know, physically throwing them out, you know, take my belt off, I'm whipping them with it. I mean, people would probably be like, this guy's kind of upset. This is literally what Jesus did. And by the way, this is why we don't ever sell anything at Verity Baptist Church. Jesus said, make not my father's house and house of merchandise. The house of God ought not be a place where we sell, where we buy, where we profit. Everything that we do at Verity Baptist Church, I don't know if you ever noticed this, is free. We don't charge for anything. If we got DVDs, we'll give them to you. If we're doing a special activity, we won't charge you for it. Why? Why do we do that? Because of this story right here. Because Jesus did not want the house of God to be a place where business was conducted. And by the way, be very careful to make sure that you don't bring your business into church either. You're Amway or Mary Kay or whatever it might be. You want to bring it in here and try to sell it to everybody. Hey, take these things hence. They don't belong in the house of God. And I look, I'm all for our church people running business and having businesses. And I have nothing against our church people using each other in business as long as you esteem other better than yourselves. And as long as you play nice and all of that, of course. But look, this place ought not be a place where we're just coming in to try to make money, where we're just trying to uh, come in to sign up all our friends and our little pyramid scheme, and we're all going to make millions, and, and you, you know, you just got to work four hours a week. It's going to be great, brother. You know, take that stuff out of here. That's right. That's, that is not for the house of God. And here, Jesus, I mean, he's upset. He's whipping people. He's throwing tables. He's mad. He's angry. But I want you to notice That he's not sinning. There's nothing about this story that is sinful. There's nothing about this story that is wrong. So what did Jesus do? Or what can we learn from the story? To know whether our anger is sinful or not. Well, look at verse 13 again. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Notice verse 14. And 
If you don't mind underlining in your Bible or writing in your Bible, I'd like you to underline these, uh, these, three wor- these four words. And these, these four words. These four words. Found in the temple. Found in the temple. For those of you who are taking notes tonight, I'd like you to write this statement down. How do you know whether your anger is sinful or not? Here's point number one. When your anger is a result of something you discovered, not something you set out to uncover. Let me say that again. When your anger is a result of something you discovered, not something you set out to uncover. I want you to notice that Jesus is not out on this day just looking to pick a fight. Jesus is not out this day just looking to uncover something that someone's doing wrong. I'm just going to go out and look for something that someone's doing that I don't like so I can pick a fight with them, so I can throw them out of somewhere, so I can get upset. I want you to notice that Jesus is just going about his regular day. Jesus is doing what he normally does. The Bible tells us in verse 14, and found in the temple. He wasn't looking for a fight. He wasn't looking for something to get upset about. It's just something that he happened to come across. Something that he happened to discover. Something that happened, uh, the anger was a result of something that he discovered, not something that he set out to uncover. He replaced there in John. Go to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29, I want you to notice this from the book of Proverbs, and here's what I want you to understand. The problem with anger and being in the flesh is not that it's like bitterness. It's not just that we experience anger, but it's that we become angry individuals. Who's ever known an angry individual? Where this person, you know, this person is just like, they're always angry. They're always mad. They're always upset. There's always something. And here's what I want you to understand. You may be the angry individual. You may have not risen your hand because you're sitting next to the angry individual, you know. And you say, well, how do I know if I'm the angry individual? Here's how you know. If you're constantly looking for something to be mad about. If you're constantly in the search, you're constantly seeking, you're constantly policing, you're just watching pastor because you just want to make, when he does something wrong, oh, I'm going to make sure he knows. You're watching pastor's wife. You're watching pastor's kids. You're watching other people's kids. You're watching your spouse. You're, oh, your spouse. I mean, you're just constantly looking to just, I'm going to make, when my husband does something wrong, I'm going to fix that. When my wife does something wrong, I'm going to fix that. When, when, the, when my friends, whatever. Look, you may be an angry individual if you're just constantly looking. You say, well, how do I know if I'm angry? How do I know if that's sinful? Here's how you know. If your anger is a result of something that you just found, something that came across, something you weren't looking to be angry, you were just about your merry day, you were just doing what you normally do, and you happened to discover something that made you angry. If you discovered it, it's probably fine. But if you uncovered it, and you're always uncovering it. And you're always looking for something to be mad about. You're probably in the flesh. Proverbs 29, look at verse 22. Proverbs 29 and verse 22, notice what the Bible says. An angry man, an angry man, notice, stirreth up strife. You ever heard somebody say, oh, that guy's always stirring up something. 
They're always stirring up problems. There's always problems when they're around. Well, that's because angry people are looking for things to be angry about. That's because people who are in, in the flesh, in their anger, they stir, notice Proverbs 29, 22, an angry man stirreth up strife. A furious man aboundeth in transgressions. Go to Proverbs 16, look at verse 28. Proverbs 16, you're there in Proverbs 29. Go back a couple of chapters, Proverbs 16, verse 28. Proverbs 16, verse 28. Proverbs 16 and verse 28 says this, a froward man, a froward man, now, the word forward means always opposing, not easy to get along with. A forward person is someone, there's some individuals, I know like no matter what the idea is, no matter what we decide to do, no matter what we're going to do, they're always going to be against it. I mean, it doesn't matter what we're doing, whatever we're doing, they're going to be against it. That person is a forward person. Someone who's never on board. They're always contrary. They always, they're just not easy to get along with. Here, it's someone who's angry. Notice what it says. A forward man soweth strife. And a whisperer, ladies, you like to gossip? And a whisperer separated the chief friends. A forward man soweth strife. See, angry people are not, they, they don't just happen to find things, discover things that, that look, there's nothing wrong with being angry. Sometimes things come to our attention. As a pastor, constantly things, people are, you know, I find out about something, they're like, Pastor, did you know about this? I'm like, I, I did not know about that. I had no idea that was going on. I didn't know that situation was happening. And sometimes, yeah, it does make me angry. Say, is that sinful? No, I don't think there's anything wrong. When something is discovered that's wrong, that's wicked, that's sinful, that's against the word of God, against the things of God, I don't think there's anything wrong with being angry about it. But when you're constantly in the search to uncover something, to find something, to have a reason to be mad, you're probably in the flesh. So how do I know when I'm sinning in anger? When your anger is a result of something you discover, not something you set to uncover, then you're probably fine. An example of a forward man is Nabal. Remember Nabal? You have to go there. But in 1 Samuel 25, the Bible says, Now therefore, know and consider what that will do. This is one of the servants speaking to Abigail, Nabal's wife. For evil is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. He is a forward man. He's an angry man. You couldn't even have a talk. You couldn't even talk to him. You can't approach. Some of you have bosses like this. Some of you are a boss like this. Your, your employee, can't, they can't even come talk to you. They can't even bring a problem to you because every time, and look, are there times to be angry? Yeah. Are there times to be upset? Absolutely. As a father, sometimes you're going to have to be upset with your children. As a mother, sometimes you're going to have to be upset with your children. As a husband, sometimes you're going to have to be upset. Look, as a pastor, sometimes you're going to have to be upset. But we ought not be just constantly in the search trying to uncover something. What am I going to be mad about today? Say, so how do I know if my anger is justified? If it's a result of something you discovered, not something you set out to uncover. If you're constantly looking for things to be angry about, you're probably sinning in anger. Proverbs 15, look at verse 18. Proverbs 15 and verse 18. Proverbs 15 and verse 18. The Bible says this, A wrathful man stirreth up strife. A wrathful man. It's not that wrathful men just keep having strife come to them. They go out and they stir it up. 
They go out and they cause the contention. They go out and they make it happen. How do I know when my anger is right? When your anger is a result of something you discovered, not something you set out to uncover. Keep your place there in Proverbs 15. We're going to come right back to it. But go back to John chapter number 2. John chapter number 2. See, what we see of Jesus is that he, he found it. He found it. He didn't look out and he didn't go out in search of it. He just discovered it. He was just walking into the temple and he found it. He saw it. He said, wow. And he got angry. He got upset. How do we know when our anger is right? When your anger is a result of something you discovered, not something you uncovered. How do you know your anger is in the flesh or wrong? When you are constantly in the search to uncover something to make you angry. You're constantly, look, you're going to ruin your children if you're constantly just looking for something that they messed up. Something to be angry about with your kids. Provoke not your children to wrath. That's what the Bible says. John chapter 2, let me give you the second, the second point. The second test. John chapter 2, look at verse 15. And when, I want you to notice this. He made a scourge of small cords. I'd like you to underline these three words. He had made. He had made a scourge of small cords. See, Jesus was not walking around with a whip, with a scourge. And when he got angry, he didn't just go out to the scourge store, to the whip store. He walks into the whip store. He says, I need a scourge right now. And they said, there's a 10-day cooling off period. <laughs> we need to make sure that you're not angry, you know. <laughs> Hey, he, he didn't have that. But I want you to notice what he did. He made. He had made a scourge of small cords. That means that he went out and found the materials needed for the scourge. He went out. He sat down somewhere. You know, he looked up a YouTube video, how to make a scourge. He sat there and he braided the thing. He put it all together. He, what, I don't know what it takes to make a scourge. I don't know, but he, but he made it. You say, well, what's point number two? Here's point number two. Your anger is probably not sinful when your anger is an action, not a reaction. Your anger is probably not sinful when your anger is a purposeful action you are taking, not a reaction that you're not in control of. See, Jesus was not just reacting to this. He didn't just walk into the temple and he said, what is going on? And grabbed his courage and started whipping people. He walked in. He said, wow. I didn't know this was going on. And he walks out. He thinks about, what should I do? He says, you know, I need to drive these people out of here. And he purchases the material, or he gathers the materials, and he sits down somewhere, and he, cre- he makes this script. Listen to me. He's taking time. He's being purposeful. He's, not, he's taking specific action to be angry in this situation. I found as a pastor... Sometimes, you know, everybody, everybody thinks, oh, pastor's just so angry all the time. Sometimes I have to act like I'm real angry. You know, whether I'm, I am or I'm not, sometimes I just have to act like I'm real angry about something because it's the only way to get a reaction out of people. You know what I mean? You ask people to do something, don't run in the hallway or whatever, and it's like, whatever. But then I get up and I'm all angry about it, and everybody's like, oh, make sure the kids don't run. Pastor, why are you so angry? I'm not that angry. So sometimes you got to be angry on purpose. Sometimes your anger has to be an action, but it's always wrong when it's a reaction. 
See, when, it's you, when you discover something, but you immediately just react. When you discover something, there's no time to think. There's no time to process it. You're not sitting somewhere creating a scourge of small courts. You're not having a cool down period. You're just reacting to the situation. Your anger is probably in the flesh. Your anger is probably sinful. Say, so how do I know if my anger is right? Are you there in Proverbs 15? Look at verse 18. Go back to Proverbs 15, 15 and verse 18. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 18. And by the way, let me say this. I love these children. I'm not angry at these children for running. They're kids. But don't let them run or I'm going to have to be angry. Proverbs 15, verse 18. Notice what it says. Proverbs 15 and verse 18. A wrathful man stirreth up strife. We just saw that, right? Notice the second part of the verse. But he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Look at Proverbs 14 and verse 17. Proverbs 14 and verse 17. See, Jesus wasn't soon angry. Jesus took time to make this whip. Jesus took time to make this scourge of small courts. It took him time. When he went in there and threw a fit, it may have looked like he was just, you know, out of control. But I would submit to you that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He said, I'm going to walk in there and scourge these people. I'm going to go in there and throw these tables over. I'm going to go in there and drive those people out. There was no reaction on the part of Christ. It was all a purposeful action. That he took time to make this whip. Proverbs uh, 14, look at verse 17. He that is soon angry, dealeth foolishly. Don't you do the most foolish things when you're in the midst of reacting to anger? And a man of wicked devices is hated. Look at verse 29, same chapter. Proverbs 14, verse 29. Proverbs 14 and verse 29. The Bible says, He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. God says we ought to be slow to wrath. God says we ought not be hasty of spirit or will exalt folly, foolishness. You don't have to turn there. But James 1.19 says this, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Here's God alliterating for us. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And by the way, that's a good rule of thumb for life. Be swift, quick to hear. To hear the, the entire, you know, I, I just found out about this. Well, why don't you get all the sides of the story? You know, and by the way, let, let, let me say something to, you, to those of you that like to get mad and whisper about the things that pastor does and the decisions that pastor makes. Why don't you take the time to get both sides of the story? It's always real interesting to me how everybody, you know, well, did you know that they're, they're saying that you did this and this and this and, and they're all mad and they're upset and they're quitting the church because you did this. And I think to myself, you know, nobody came and asked me my side of the story. Nobody came, you know, they, they weren't swift to hear. They were swift to wrath. They were swift to speak. The Bible says, be swift to hear, slow to wrath, slow to speak. You'll save yourself a lot of trouble if you just calm down. You'll save yourself a lot of trouble if when you find yourself being angry, you make sure that you are taking an action and not simply just reaction or reacting to the situation. Go back to John chapter number two. So how do we know when our anger, how do we know when our anger is sinful? Well, or how do we know when our anger is justified, when it's righteous, when it's, there's no sin in it? Well, there's no sin when your anger is a result of something you discovered, not 
something you set out to uncover. Your anger is fine when your anger is an action that you are taking, not a reaction. Even with our children, sometimes they do things that they shouldn't do. And they're not that big of a deal. But we realize as parents that if we let them get away with this, it's going to lead them down a road that is just not a right road to go down. And we have to administer discipline. And and there's wrath and anger that goes with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Just make sure it's an action and not a reaction. You'll never regret the actions, but you will regret the reactions. When you have to apologize and say, I'm sorry, I just wasn't thinking straight. It's just in the heat of the moment. I want you to notice that is not what Jesus did. He took time to make this scourge. He got it all done, tested it, said, yep, still angry. And walks in and does and takes specific action, not reaction. Here's point number three. Go back to John chapter two. Keep your place there in in Proverbs. I think we're going to come back to it. But go go to John. John chapter number uh, two. Look at verse 16. John chapter 2 and verse 16. Notice what the Bible says. And said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence. Make not my house an house of merchandise. Is that what he said? Now he could have said that. He could have said that. Is he not God? I want you to notice what he said. He said, Make not my father's house an house of merchandise. See, here Jesus is telling us he's not angry on his own behalf. He's angry on the behalf of others. Go to, go to the book of Romans, Romans chapter number 12. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Romans chapter number 12. Here's, here's point number three. How do I know when my anger is sinful? How do I know when my anger is righteous indignation? There's no sin. I'm angry, but I'm not sinning. Here's point number three. When your anger is selfless, not selfish. When your anger is selfless, not selfish. See, Jesus said, I'm angry on behalf of my father. I'm angry about what you're doing to my father's house. And see, when you're upset because someone has been hurt, maybe it's someone that you have authority over. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your children. Maybe whatever it might be. You're mad because of the way someone else was treated or because of something that's been done to another individual. You're probably okay. But when your anger is always just a selfish, I've been hurt, I've been disrespected, I've been, you know, offended. It's me, you know. Your, your anger may be. Jesus was very clear to make sure that we understood that this was not a selfish anger where he just felt like he was. He said, look. I don't appreciate what you're doing to my father's house. And then in Romans chapter 12, look at verse 19. Romans chapter 12 and verse 19, notice what the Bible says. Dearly beloved, Romans chapter 12 and verse 19, the Bible says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. Here's what he's saying. Don't take vengeance. Don't avenge yourself. He said, Put that wrath away. Give place unto wrath. Put that thing on a shelf somewhere. Now, why, why would God tell us? Because notice what he says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Why would God tell us not to avenge ourselves? Here's why I believe God would say that. Because usually when we are avenging ourselves, we will fall into selfish fleshly anger. 
But when our anger is selfless, not selfish, we're probably fine. When our anger, sometimes we have to do things and we have to take actions because of what the Bible says, because of what the Word of God says. I don't want to do it. I'd rather just forget about it. I'd rather, but, but I can't let it go because that's what the Word of God says. Hey, if it's selfless, then it's probably fine. But when it's selfish, when you're taking revenge, when you are avenging yourself, when you are saying, I've been hurt and it, and it hurts me and I'm going to make it even, that anger is probably in the flesh because God says, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Here's what God says. When you've been hurt, didn't Jesus say to turn the other cheek? Didn't the Bible say, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them, which despitefully use you and persecute you? When people do you wrong, we're just supposed to let God deal with it. We're just supposed to let God take vengeance. We're just supposed to give it to God. But when we are in, in anger, but it's not a selfish thing, it's a selfless thing. It's on behalf of something else or someone else. You're probably fine. But when it's selfish, it's probably sin. Go, go to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Let me give you the fourth point tonight. Now in Matthew 21, I want you to notice the story of Jesus, it's referred to by the theologians, for whatever it's worth, as the cleansing of the temple. Jesus walks into the temple at the beginning of his ministry, and throws a fit, a righteous fit, throws people out, makes a scourge, does all of that. Never sin. But at the end of his ministry, or towards the end of his ministry, he does it again. Because they're back in the house of God. They're back in the temple. They're selling again. In Matthew 21 and verse 12, we have that account of the second time what's referred to as the second cleansing of the temple. I want to give you just one more point from that one. Matthew 21 and verse 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple. Again, this is the second time he's doing the same thing. And overthrew the tables of the money chargers, and the, of the money changers, excuse me, and the seats of them that sold doves, and said unto them, It is written... My house shall be called the house of prayer, but, we, uh, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And he, he does the same thing again. But I want you to notice what he does in verse 14. So in verse 12 and 13, he cast out them that sold and bought in the temple. He overthrew the tables again. It's the table of the money changer. So there's money on this table. Could you just imagine you're throwing tables that has cash and coins on them. Money's going everywhere. He, he, and the seats of them that so where they're sitting... Can you imagine Jesus? And by the way, this proves also that Jesus wasn't some effeminate wimp. Like all these, you know, all these, uh, you know, they always want to make Jesus this effeminate actor on all these movies. You know, they always want, whenever they make an idol of Christ, they always want to make him look like uh, some sort of a hippie or something. I mean, real, think about this. Jesus is walking into the temple. There's, there's grown men. This is their jobs. They're sitting, changing money. He walks up, grabs the chair and flings it. Grabs the table and flings them. And no one's stopping him. Obviously, they're just like, don't mess with this guy. <laughs> this guy, you know. So obviously, they, he, they, he, he must have struck some sort of fear in the, into their eyes. He's angry and upset. Notice verse 13. And he said unto them, it is written, my house will be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. 
mad and angry. But notice verse 14. And the blind and the lame came to him, don't miss this, in the temple. He just got, thro- he just got thrown a fit in the temple. He just got done throwing seats and tables and throwing people out in the temple. And in the very next verse, the Bible tells us that the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. And Jesus says, I don't talk to me. I'm just showing him. I'm so upset. Is that what it says? Jesus says, I, I, can't, I can't deal with it. I just, I gotta, I'm so mad. Is that what it says? Notice what it says. Look at verse 14. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. All of a sudden, he's not angry anymore. Go to Psalm 30. Psalm 30. What's point number four? Here's point number four. How do I know when my anger is sinful? How do I know when my anger is righteous, when there's no sin in it? Here's how you know. When your anger lasts a short amount of time and not a long period of time. When you can turn your anger off, you're probably fine. But when your anger just lacks, because Jesus is mad. He walks in. He's like, really, guys, really, again? Didn't we already do this? He's throwing tables. He's throwing chairs. He's throwing money. He's throwing people out. And in the, next, in the very next verse, the lame and blind come into the temple, and he says, how can I help you? I love you. Let me heal you. See, his anger was not a reaction. It was an action. Therefore, he was in control of it. See, when you're just mad at your children, I've been like mad at them for like three days. You're probably in the flesh. We should be able to turn our anger on and off. We should be able to control it to the way where we're flipping tables in in verse 13 and we're healing people in in verse 14. Is that not how God deals with us? Psalm 30, look at verse 5. Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger endureth but a moment. For his anger endureth but a moment, Psalm 30 and verse 5. In his favor is life, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. See, the Bible tells us that the anger of God endureth but a moment. He's not just angry for days. He's not just angry for weeks. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. Remember this verse? We, just, we saw it towards the beginning. Be ye angry and sin not. Be ye angry and sin not. You can be angry and not sinning. But no, notice the last part of the verse. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. See, our anger should only last but a moment. Our anger should only last... You should be able to go to bed. I used to have a youth pastor who would say, you should go to bed... When, when at the end of the day, he, he used to say, you should get glad in the same shoes you got mad in. He said, you should get glad in the same shoes you got mad in. Here's what he said. You're going through your day and you're angry, you're upset. Before those shoes come off at night and the slippers come on, you should get glad. Because the Bible says, let not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You ought not go to bed angry with your spouse. You ought not go to bed angry with your children. You may just stay up all night, but you do whatever you got to do to make sure that you get that right. Anger should not last days. It should not last weeks. Christ was angry, upset, throwing tables, throwing chairs, throwing money, angry, throwing people out of the temple. And in the very next verse, he's healing people. Why? Because he was able to turn it off. 
because it didn't last long. If your anger is just lasting weeks, you've been mad at your husband for weeks, you're probably in the flesh. You've been mad at your wife for weeks. You're mad at your children for days. How do I know when my anger is sinful? Versus how do I know when my anger is right? Well, it's probably right when your anger is a result of something you discovered, not something you set out to uncover. It's probably right when your anger is an action, not a reaction. It's probably right when your anger is selfless and not selfish. It's probably right when your anger lasts a short amount of time and not a long period of time. Next time you're angry, test your anger. Ask yourself, is this an action or a reaction? Ask yourself, is this selfless or selfish? Ask yourself, is it healthy how long I've been mad about this? Can I turn this off? Can I discipline my children and not be mad with them the very next day? Can I, can I make sure that once I go to bed? I mean, the Bible says that His mercies are new to us every day. The Bible says that we go to bed and when we wake up the next day, God's mercy is new to us, is available for us. His forgiveness is of every day. God allows us to start over. Why would we not give that to our husband, wife, children? If God lets me start over every day, why don't you let others start over every day? You ought to ask yourself, is this anger a result of something that I discovered or something that I set out, I set out to uncover? See, when you have to make the decision, when you have to make the decision, am I going to throw a fit about this? Often as a pastor, things come to my attention and I have to decide. Am I going to throw a fit about this? Am I going to throw people out about this? Am I going to turn over tables, figuratively speaking, about this? And I've got to ask myself, you know, am I, is this just me? Is this just me? My ego has been hurt. Is this selfish or selfless? Is this an action or reaction? I've got to ask these questions. But here's the last point I want to give you just by conclusion. I want you to notice and I want you to understand that your anger, the reason you want to take the time to test your anger, the reason you want to say, kids, I am very upset. I'm going to go make a scourge. I'm going to go sit somewhere and get ready before I discipline you. The reason you want to do that is because you want to minimize regrets. So you know what I love about Jesus? is that at the beginning of his ministry, he walks into the temple, he sees this going on, he, built, he makes a scourge, he comes in, he throws a fit, he throws people out, he overturns tables, get upset, get angry, throws them all out, and then three or three and a half years or however long his ministry was, later, he walks into the same situation, and you know what he does? The exact same thing. Because he did not regret what he'd done over there. Sometimes we take actions and we think to ourselves, man, if I could do that again, I'd do differently. That's what you want to try to minimize. Someone said it this way. I I like the Bible says in the book of Psalms, Psalm 90, it says that our lives are a tale that is told. Someone put it this way. Before you make a major decision in life, you ought to ask yourself, what story do I want told when this is a story that is told? 
When I've got to deal with this situation, it's a major issue I've got to deal with my spouse or it's a major issue that I've got to deal with my children or it's a major issue that I've got to deal with my employees or it's a major issue that I've got to deal with another church family and it's a, it's a big deal and I've got to decide. Here's what you've got to ask yourself. Will I regret this a year from now, two years from now, three years from now? Because there are some decisions that I've made that I thought to myself, man, if I could go back, I'd do that different. There are other decisions that I've made. I mean, just even this afternoon, I was talking with my wife, and we were talking about a certain situation, and, 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 I, I, we, and I expressed to her, I said, you know, that one decision cost me a lot, but if I had to do it again, I'd do it exactly the same way. No regret. Because it wasn't a reaction. Because it wasn't something that I just kind of flew off the handle. Something I thought about, prayed about, counted the cost. That's the way you want to live your life. That's the way that Christ lived his life. And that way, he was able to be angry, but sin not. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for these passages, these stories in scripture that you give us to be an example and an example to us. Father, I pray that you would please help all of us. There's not one person in this room that does not struggle with anger from time to time. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be able to check our anger. Ask ourselves, is this right? Am I sinning right now? Is this something I will eventually regret? Lord, I pray you'd help us to be wise, to make good decisions. I pray you'd help us to be patient, swift to hear, and slow to speak, and slow to wrath. We love you, Lord. In your precious name, I pray.